0: Hello again, ladies and gentlemen. Ghost Nobody here, ready to bring you chapter 127 of Radiance, my original Fallout fan fiction. And before we get started, just a little apology here. Uh, you may hear some noise in the background during the recording of this. It's because I've got a fan running, because it's currently got like a million degrees C down here, and Welsh people and heat don't go well together. So, you do have my apologies on that always, if you can like, share and subscribe to this wherever you can, and leave feedback at the sites via fanfiction.net, archiveofourown.org, or even at my own website, ghostnobody.com. I always enjoy reading your comments and seeing what you're thinking. And, you know, if you've got any ideas, you're always free to leave them on my Discord or on these sites. And, you know, if I like the ideas, I might pick them up and use them. You never know. But if you do pop over to ghostnobody.com, why don't you check out Stormrider? You know, if big surly dragoness esque girls, orcs and elves, magical realms, and human mages are your sort of thing, check it out. You might enjoy it. And also, while you're there, why not pop over to the ghostly link section? Check out Mortis, my original novel, for sale on both Smashwords and on Amazon. Pick it up. Help support me and keep me doing what I love. Bring unlikely alien romance stories to you good people. So, without any further ado then, Let's get on with the show, shall we? Oh, but first the usual legal disclaimer. I don't own Fallout or anything to do with it. That's all Bethesda. I just keep Crazy Tales happy. Let's get on with the show. Chapter 127. Minute by Minute. As the group stepped into the room where the fight had taken place, Fuller could already see that they were too late. As the first thing he saw was the body of Sarge dressed in naught but his long johns. A soft clanging noise came from the next room over and he turned to the rest of the team and placed a finger to his lips before pointing to the room. The team all nodded and slowly followed him as he silently made his way further into the room so he could look into it without being spotted. As he leaned in slightly he saw what appeared to be a very skinny and bedraggled man dressed in scraggy road leathers with the look of a drifter about him. He was leaning over a large burlap pack that had seemed to be covered in all sorts of things like pots and old mining lanterns. and seemed to be barely hanging in there thanks to the copious amount of twine it was tied up with. The pack itself seems to have been mounted to a frame that Fuller instantly recognised as one of the frames that the Enclave used to mount either one of their own backpacks to, or the ammo can for a minigun. And what was more the frame looked pretty much brand new, indicating that it had very recently been acquired. Fuller turned to the team and then pointed to Ven before motion for him to slowly and silently advance on the man before speaking with him. A faintly evil smile crossed Ven's lips as he clicked on to what Fuller wanted to achieve here, and he nodded before slowly and quietly, as a couple of hundred pounds of scaled muscle could manage, he slipped into the room behind the scav. "'Excuse me, my good sir. Mind if I ask you a few questions about what happened here?' Ben said in his poshest-sounding voice, which still sounded gravelly as a hillside in the Rockies, but still passed for human by the man's lack of reaction to it. If you're looking for any good shit left over, you're too late. Fucking Minutemen got here first, what they didn't want, I got. So you can just fucking, well... HOLY SHIT! The man began before his voice rose to a near scream as he turned mid-sentence to see Ven looming innocently over him. "'Ah, good. Now that we have your full attention, would you mind telling us what happened here?' Ven said as the rest of the team stepped into the room behind him. The man's mouth opened and closed like a fish dragged out of water and his wide eyes darted between Ven and the group now surrounding him. Fuller let out a sharp whistle and clapped his hands together very sharply, and it was enough to grab the man's attention. "'Hi there. You said the Minutemen were here? Did they strip these guys off?' Fuller asked, and the man began to nod for a moment before turning in, before it turning into a shake. "'Well, which is it?' Fuller asked. The, th- "'They took the power armour and the weapons these guys had. I, I, I saw them carrying it all out of here, but they left the bodies and even put sheets over them and closed their eyes.' "'Before I was able to get up here, some raider types came and pretty much took everything else. "'All I took was these two mess tins and that suit rack. I swear,' the man exclaimed, pointing to his backpack. "'If the raiders got in here before you did, how did you know it was the Minutemen that wrapped the bodies in sheets, then?' Ben growled deeply, and the man's attention snapped back onto him, and he began to shake violently, looking like he might just piss his trousers at any second. I I was up there in my hide watching the whole thing, the man said, pointing to a window of a high-rise tower nearby that overlooked the place. So, where did the Minutemen go then? Fuller asked. They got a camp set up nearby. They use it so they can trade between Good Neighbor and Diamond City. They'll probably store the stuff there until they're ready to ship it off to the fort. That's all I know, I swear. Please don't hurt me. The man said, his voice going high enough that it was barely within the human hearing range anymore. Hurt you? Who said anything about hurting you? Ven asked, glancing around the group, who simply shrugged and shook their heads. But, but, but you're a death claw. The man said, and Ven grinned at him, showing off his massive fangs. And, I'll have you know, my good fellow, that we noble claws of the proud northern pack are a little bit more cultured and more refined than our feral brethren. "'But I do believe this might not might serve you "'to not judge a book by its cover the next time, hmm?' "'He said with a smile that you could actually hear in his voice. "'Wouldn't happen to know where this base is located now, would you?' "'Fuller asked, deciding to capitalise on the man's confusion and fear "'so they could get all they could out of him. Uh, "'Yeah, it's by the old Cambridge Polymer Labs across the uh, river,' "'the man said, pointing off into the distance. "'Much obliged.' "'Just do me a favour and put sheets back over the bodies before you leave, yeah?' Willis said, jerking his thumb at the surprisingly white sheets that had been piled into the corner haphazardly, and the man nodded his affirmation as the group turned and headed back out again. "'So, what's the play now, then?' Ven asked as he reached street level. "'Well, the minute Men are one of the major players in the region, and from what I can understand, Wisp was trying to figure out an angle to approach him, and possibly broker an alliance.' "'So this might be our chance to do just that,' Willa said, scratching his chin thoughtfully. "'Yeah, they've been operating in the area since, like, forever. "'They've gone through their ups and downs from what I've heard "'to the point where they nearly, very nearly got wiped out. "'But then some mysterious stranger who passed through "'got them back on their feet and helped them to rebuild "'before vanishing back into the shadows,' Glory said, "'causing them all to look at her curiously. "'What kind of mysterious stranger?' Like the fedora and trench coat wearing kind or the shadowy benefactor kind? Gregory asked. The latter. And hey, you seen that guy too? Fucking weird one, right? She said, causing Gregory to nod. So what? Someone just showed up, rebuilt the Minutemen and fucked off again? Fuller asked in supply and Glory just shrugged. Don't know the ins and outs of it. Just the stories from what I heard. And from what I heard, one day this stranger just shows up Helps a bunch of people before getting the Minutemen back on their feet. Last anyone saw of them, they were in a boat heading for a far harbour as fast as they could. Some say they had business there. Others say they just got fed up with all the settlements that needed their help. No one knows for sure. But they got the Minutemen back on their feet and made them a force to be reckoned with in the region. So there is that, Glory said with a shrug. Well, whatever the reason, all I know is if they got got the power armour... Chances are they got the transponders too, so it's off to see the minute men we go. Let's just hope they don't have a shoot on sight policy, Fuller said, glancing at Ven who simply huffed in annoyance. One day people will see my kind differently, but I guess that's not today, he said with a tinge of sadness in his voice as Gregory patted his massive thigh. Chin up, big guy. We'll get things there eventually, Fuller said, and with that the group set off towards Cambridge. The trip through the ruins downtown was surprisingly quiet considering the place was usually a hotbed of violence between mutants and raiders as well as the, between the 2 forementioned groups and, well, anyone that happened to set eyes upon them. But other than a few distant gunshots echoing through the empty streets from far away there was very little in their way. Must be the raiders' day off or something? Yumi said as they passed what appeared to be an old human skeleton strung up in what appeared to be a medieval gibbet cage. Oh, I doubt it. But when you have a large, sexy claw boy in tow, most people tend to think twice about picking a fight with you. As well as most people like their limbs attached to their joints and not, well, shoved up various bodily orifices. Gregory said, stroking Ven's tail and sending an involuntary shiver through the big claw boy, for he danced away and looked momentarily embarrassed by the revelation that he had a rather large neurogenous zone on his tail that he just revealed to everyone. The others simply chuckled as they watched the pair play-fighting between them, as it kind of helped to ease the tension of being so exposed in hostile territory. None of them were under any illusions that things around here go sideways very quickly if you weren't on the ball. As they reached the road running along the side of the river, they glanced to their left and right to locate the nearest bridge. It seemed to be a rather ramshackle thing that had been constructed out of planks haphazardly nailed down between a load of beached boats that were jammed in the centre of the river. I think we should try our luck with that thing, or maybe move on a bit further and take one of the main bridges, Glory asked pointing to it. As much as I'd love to say my lover claw here is as dainty as a butterfly, I seriously don't think those planks are going to hold up for long if he goes strolling over them. Gregory said before dodging as Ven flicked a painful swipe at his head. Are you trying to say my tail is fat? He snorted, trying to hide the smile under the menacing look that Gregory saw right through like it was made of glass. No, I'm trying to say you've got a lot of junk in the trunk. Granted, it's all muscle, but it still gives you a hell of an ass to drag around. Gregory shot back with a wide grin that caused Ven to simply short circuit as he tried to figure out whether it was a playful insult or a veiled compliment. When the two of you are done flirting, the rest of us are heading for the main bridge, Fuller said, pointing off into the distance at the large supports that towered up to hold a suspension bridge in place. Fuck me, if you're going to wait for us to stop flirting, then you go be here for a while, Gregory said with a grin before step, falling in step with them. Tell me about it, Yumi said grumpily. Oh, chin up there, number girl. Don't you worry about a thing. Pretty sure there's going to be a nice muscular claw boy around here for you somewhere. Probably just around the next corner. Or maybe a nice fluffy spider boy like Malachi is more your speed, Gregory said in the most obvious fishing expedition in human history. Yumi simply snorted a laugh before shrugging her shoulders and shaking her head. Honestly, I have no idea. I used to think it was just humans for humans, you know. Hell, I even had quite a crush on Fuller there when I first met him. But con running with this group for a bit. Kinda of opens your eyes to what's actually possible, you know? She said as Glory turned and gave her a full on death stare, while Fuller's mouth simply fell open from the candid confession. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean, Gregory said, taking hold of Ven's massive hand in his own as a little show. Hey, don't look at me like that, Glory. You don't have to worry, I'm no man stealing It's obvious to anyone with eyes and a heart. Fuller has only eyes for you. Hell, you didn't see how much pain he went through when he was wallowing in the guilt of living with what he'd done to you and was putting you through. But it doesn't mean the rest of us that don't have eyes uh, makes makes it looks invisible to any other straight female now, does it? Yumi said, glancing at Glory before turning and staring her down. Glory simply huffed before blowing out a deep breath and eventually nodding. Yeah, I guess you got me there. I did get myself a pretty one, didn't I? She said, looking happily at Fuller, who still stood there rather shocked. He wasn't exactly used to getting such earnest and candid compliments as this. Yeah, and I'm not going to pretend that I wasn't a bit jealous when I found out what was happening between you two during the mission, as i kind of had an eye on him since we got assigned. But I can see what you guys have is real as it comes. Can't fake pain like the which I saw in his eyes when he was talking about what he'd done to you. The man heard something fierce, Yumi said as they walked. Glory folded her arms over her chest and then glanced at Fuller while raising an eyebrow at him. How much exactly did your fellow ESF Lock get to see of our mission? she said, and Fuller shrugged. That I honestly couldn't tell you, because I honestly don't know. I know they were capable of tuning in to whatever I heard and said any time, any place, as I had the fucking thing jammed in my head, but I never really knew if someone was actively listening to it or not. Somebody was supposed to always be monitoring the frequency, though, in case of emergency calls, so could be anything, really, he said. So that thing wasn't just a tracker, then, she asked, and he shook his head. No, it was a subdermal communication and eavesdropping system. They could hear what I said and heard what I heard but that's about as much as I know about the thing, he said. Let's hope it didn't let them see what you saw, or they would have been getting rather an eyeful right now, wouldn't they? She said with a little look of luck, concern spreading across her beautiful face. Fuller stepped forward and slipped his arm around her waist as they walked, and she looked at him curiously. If they could see what I saw, they would have felt nothing but pure jealousy, because they, what they would have seen is I was getting the lucky one, getting to spend the night with... And all nights onwards with the most beautiful woman in the world now, wouldn't they? He said with a warm smile that seemed to infect her as well. Charmer. And thank you, she said softly. For what? Telling the truth? Fuller laughed, giving her a grin. No, for saying woman and not synthetic woman. You have no idea how something that small means to me, she said, turning to hug him tightly against her. Well now, this could be a bit of a problem, Fuller said suddenly as they reached the midsection of the bridge and saw a rather large break where some of the road had collapsed down into the river below. Not for me, Ven said. Or me, Yumi replied. Well all right then, for the rest of us, without any kind of power or legs the size of a human torso, it's going to be a bit bit of a problem, Fuller said grumpily. Ven gave Fuller a grin before snatching Gregory off the ground and taking a few huge bounding strides to build up momentum before he compressed his legs, making the huge muscles contained under his scale compress like steel cables. Then he just jumped. There was a loud thud, loud enough for them to easily hear as Ven landed and dug his toe claws into the asphalt and cement pavement on the other side to prevent himself from sliding before he turned and, with a triumphant smile, placed Gregory down on again on his feet. I got this. Time to show Clawboy what I can do, Yumi said with a grin. And before Fuller and Glory could say a word, she grabbed them both at the collar and summoned a flaming tornado around them to lift them all into the air. Carrying two people at once obviously strained her a bit, but the smile never left her face as she floated them over the break in the bridge before setting them down gently on the other side with a loud whoosh of dissipating flame and air. Show off, Ven said with a playful grin. Says so Springy McClure face, she shot back with a grin of her own. Told you my claw boy's legs were not just for looking good, Gregory said with a self-satisfied grin. Alright, come on, let's move before Wisp winds up sending out a search party for us. Because then you'll see what real jumping looks like when we see a certain fluffy spider boy sw- swinging through the city like a fluffy-legged fucking Tarzan. Fuller said, making them all laugh as they turned and carried off on their way. As they entered Cambridge began to see the presence of another force at work in the area by the sheer amount of dead feral ghouls and bugs of all shapes and sizes they began to find along the way. This was also interspeckled with a few dead raiders and, interestingly enough, a few blown-out synths. Mark 1s. And looks like there's a Mark 2 here, too, Glory said, kneeling down to inspect the broken metal skeletons of the shot-up synths. How can you tell the difference? Yumi asked, leaning over her broad shoulder to peel down at the pile of scrapped bodies. Differences are subtle, but if you know where to look, it's easy enough to tell them apart. Look, here, see these armour plates? And those eyes? They're different. You only find this upgraded stuff on a mark too, Glory said. Kind of makes me think of Valentine in a freaky kind of way. Gregory said, lifting up one of the synth's arms, which would appear to have been blown off a mounting by something quite hefty in the Force Department. Nah, Valentine's a prototype of some kind. Not sure what Jenny is, really, but he was most likely the base template of what they used to reach my generation. Well, at least in the mental department, anyhow, Glory said. How do you mean? Gregory asked, scrutinising the severed arm with the eyes of an experienced engineer and mechanic. Well, when they reached my generation, they did away with the metal skeleton they in favour of a carbon fibre one, which acts more like regular bone, but it was far stronger. For coursers, they still use metal, but now it's titanium to make it super light and incredibly strong. But all the meat you ro- see around it? Still living. Though with courses they do have a few optional tricks up their sleeves, like mesh weave impl- implanted underneath their skin to absorb incoming ballistics, and subdermal micro-shield generators to deflect energy weapons. But it's the mind department where everything really changes, she said. Fucking hell, sounds like they really went all in with these courses, Fuller said, closing gory to nod. They're the enforcers of the Institute's will, but their primary function is retrieval and assassination. They retrieve any runaway sense or personnel while eliminating anybody who stands in the way of the Institute's goals. They're not to be fucked with, to say the least, she said. I bet they go down just as easy as a human if they remove their head, Ven said, flexing his long claws and admiring them. Yeah, if you can get close enough to cut it off them. They always come with all well, packing some serious firepower, and they've got some seriously advanced targeting systems, which means they rarely miss what they're aiming at. I once saw one of them take out a runaway scientist through a fucking mail slot with a single shot from over a mile out, Flory said, causing the others to pass around some very nervous glances. Bet Seven and Wisp can handle them just fine. And now we've got Yumi to watch our backs as well. So we got a few tricks of our own up our said sleeves, Fuller said, clapping her hand on Yumi's slender shoulder and causing the slender woman to smile and nod. Right, she said enthusiastically. "'I hope so, I really do,' Glory said, extracting some parts from the fallen synths before slipping them into a pack to obviously give to Tinker Tom later on. As they moved further into Cambridge, the group instantly noticed the factory that they'd been told about. and It was easy to see the Minutemen's presence. There's not only had they slapped up a load of flags displaying their colours around the place, but there were sentries posted all around the perimeter. They were really intent on holding this place, it seems.' Alright, people, best diplomatic faces on, and smiles aplenty. Form up around Ven and then don't give him a clean shot, Force said, and the group surrounded Ven on all sides as they moved. If things go sideways, kick up Dust Cloud and obscure their vision so we can get into cover first, okay? Force glancing at Yumi, who nodded in agreement. Stop right there! Holy shit, is that a fucking claw? one of the sentries who happened to be a woman in her early twenties yelled, aiming a rifle at Venn, who, to his credit, didn't even flinch. Oh, take it easy, he's with us. We don't mean you any harm. We came here hoping to meet with your leaders, Fuller said cordially, raising his hands to show that he didn't have any weapons present in them. The woman seemingly having difficulty with looking away from Venn, but with a large amount of force, she tore her attention off the smiling Clawboy and turned it towards Fuller. What do you mean he's with you? Deathclaws aren't on anyone's fucking side. What do you want with our commander? She demanded. I beg to differ, my good woman. Us noble claws of the proud northern pack choose for ourselves whom we align ourselves with, much as you humans do, Venn said in his most regal tone, which once again caused the woman's mouth to fall open along with that of the other sentry. That that Deathclaw just talked, she stammered. We prefer the term claw, if you don't mind, my good woman. I'm pretty sure your kind has caused more death and destruction on this planet than mine ever has, or could ever hope to. Yet we don't refer to you as death humans now, do we? Though maybe we should start, Ben said cordially with a smile, never leaving his face. As I live and breathe, I never thought I'd see the day when such a thing, the sentry exclaimed. I'm not a thing, I'm a person as much as you are. "'Ven said flatly, trying his hardest to both remain cordial and smiling. "'Sorry, you misunderstand me. "'I mean, I thought I'd never see the day I saw a de- uh, "'I mean, claw who could speak. "'Not that you were the thing.' "'She replied, still obviously stunned at having a full-blown conversation "'with an eight-foot-tall claw. "'Then I accept your apology and I offer my own for the misunderstanding,' "'Ven said with a smile still growing wider on his face.' You'd better go and get the commander, he's not going to fucking believe this, the sentry said to the other, who nodded and vanished inside the factory swiftly. Good, I was hoping to speak to them for multiple reasons, Ola said to this, and the sentry switched her attention to him once more. Such as? She asked curiously. Well, we were hoping for his help in a matter concerning some technology that your people recovered a while back from a shot-up Enclave team. Us well, also to hopefully sit down and maybe ratify a treaty of some kind between your people and ours. This is our belief that we may be of great use to one another in the coming days, Fuller said. What people? Who are you representing exactly? The sentry asked, squinting her eyes as they kept darting between Fuller and Ven curiously. Two groups, technically, but allied ones, nonetheless. Our own group is called the Free Peoples of the Wastes, and the other that we represent here today is the Railroad, Fuller said. Railroad? I've heard of those guys. Aren't they the synth lovers? The sentry asked and Fuller felt Glory clench her fists at her side, but he merely reached down and slipped his hand over hers to steady her. They most certainly are. And unless you've ever loved a synth for yourself, you might want to reserve your judgement. Synth aren't the monsters you've been led to believe that they are. I mean, think about it. Until thirty seconds ago, did you ever believe in your wildest dreams you'd be having a conversation with a full-sized claw?" Fuller asked, and the sentry scratched her chin thoughtfully before shaking her head. "No, I guess not. You got me there," she said, and Fuller nodded. "Exactly, and yet here you are, and here Venice, and you've already managed to rectify a misunderstanding with nothing more than a few words, rather than claws and bullets." "Funny that, eh?" he said, and he could instantly see the moment the realisation hit the sentry like a bomb going off behind her eyes. But before she could reply to it, the other sentry returned along with a squad of four other soldiers, and at their head was a well-dressed officer, though by the dirt and wear and tear to his uniform it was obvious he was an officer who was not afraid to get into the shit alongside his men, which was exactly what Fuller needed right now. Just like his sentry and now all of his soldiers, the officer seemed to be rather tall and well-built Latino man, in his mid-thirties. His eyes locked instantly onto Ven. Greetings, my name is Ven, and what may be yours, my good man? Ven said, causing the officer's mouth to fall open for a moment before he collected himself and straightened both his uniform and his cap. Sanchez, Maurice Sanchez, Captain of the Minutemen at your service. And I have to say, I thought my sentry had somehow gotten himself spiked with damn jet dart or something, when he came inside hollering about there being a group with a talking death claw at the gate. But here you are, the officer said looking up at Ven. Indeed. And it's just claw if you don't mind. I would prefer though I would prefer you to address me by my name, please, Ven said. Uh, my apologies. But this isn't a conversation I'd ever thought I'd ever find myself having. Maurice said, and Van nodded in understanding. Indeed, well, as my esteemed colleague Fuller here already explained to your sentry, we come here today representing two groups in the area who are hoping to not only obtain your help with a certain matter, but to potentially and hopefully maybe reach an understanding that could lead to a mutual peace between us both. Ven said, causing Maurice to glance at Fuller, as Venn indicated him. "'Matter are you indicating exactly?' Maurice asked curiously. "'It's come to our attention recently that you've recently managed to salvage some enclave power armour "'from a fallen team in downtown Boston. "'And if possible, we'd like to extract some components from the armour. "'Not ones that would compromise the armour itself or its functionality, "'but rather some that would be beneficial to us and yours,' Fuller said. Maurice looked rather curious and dubious at the same time now, and his eyes narrowed on Fuller. "'What type of components, and how exactly do you know what we have or have not acquired?' he asked. "'We went looking for the fallen team as we knew exactly where they were, because one of our number was there when they died. But when we arrived, we found the site stripped bare, and a scavenger hard at work picking through the remains.' He was rather helpful in informing us of who removed the armour and weaponry from them and where you went. But now, just to be clear, we have no interest in the armour itself or the weapons. Spoilers of war and all that. All we need is some very specific components. And really, only one. But I would advise at least deactivating the others as well if they were in one piece. For your own safety. As it may result in you accidentally bringing the ESF team down on your heads. Fuller said. "'ESF? What's that? And what type of component, exactly?' Maurice asked, curiously, obviously growing now. "'ESF stands for Enclave Special Forces. Rapid Deployment Group specialising in sabotage, infiltration, assassination, that sort of thing. "'The component we seek is an emergency transponder unit. "'Each set of Enclave armour is fitted with a pretty basic one, but ESF ones are far better and uprated. "'It's a homing and distress beacon of sorts.' That if activated begins to broadcast a signal that can cause the deployment of an enclave SAR team or search and rescue team to be called in, Fuller explained. Maurice now looked very disturbed by this little revelation and he signalled to one of the soldiers with him who saluted in acknowledgment acknowledgement of being addressed. Tell the guys to stop working on the suits immediately, he said and the man nodded before rushing back off into the factory. Well, thank you for the warning, but I do find myself curious how you know about such things. Maurice said turning his attention back to Fuller simple I used to be an ESF member myself until I somewhat had a change of heart let's say and I saw the light now I fight for the right team Fuller said shooting a smile at glory to reinforce to her that she was who truly opened his eyes well must say that's pretty bold of you to admit that most enclave types tend to keep their shit so close to their chest that you couldn't see the truth for their ribs and lungs okay then Let's say you royally have my attention now. What do you want with one of these transponders then, exactly? Maurice asked. We're in the process of setting up an operation to lead the local region, and due to recent Enclave incursions and activity, it's our opinion that we need to put them out the picture for good. So we're going to bait a trap, Fuller said honestly, but deliberately being vague about the details, as he knew the Enclave had ears and eyes everywhere, and he never quite knew when they were listening. Well then, it seems that we do have something to discuss indeed, as I'm definitely no fan of those jack-booted fucks, and what with all the reports I keep hearing about mysterious teams of power-armoured soldiers clomping about that are most definitely not brotherhood, that might go some way to explaining what I'm hearing, Maurice said and Fuller nodded in agreement. The enemy of my enemy can indeed be my friend, Commander, he said. Quite. Alright, then follow me, but be warned... ''Well, we're not going to take any aggression lightly. Normally I would say to disarm you, but given your current company that's probably a bit of a moot point as I can't exactly ask him to give up his hands, feet and teeth now, can I? But I would recommend you keep their weapons in their holsters or on their slings if you please,'' he said before gesturing them to follow him inside the factory. Once inside, Fuller immediately spotted the recovered suits at the centre of the factory floor, all set up in a series of power armour stands that had been recovered from nearby. They seemed to be in the process of being dismantled and repaired. When the order for work to cease had come down, so now a load of engineers simply stood around looking confused in amongst a mountain of parts. Maurice led the team over to where the engineers' parties all widened at the sight of Venn, striding confidently into their midst as if it was just another day. Okay then. Let's say for a moment that I believe you. Could you show me one of these transponders? Maurice asked, gesturing to the nearest suit, which, due to its colors, had blatantly once belonged to Sarge. No problem. Gonna need some help from our own time, engineer if you don't mind, though. Fuller said, and Maurice nodded, gestured for him f- to continue. All right. Transponders located bero- below the primary breastplate and linked to the command line through a series of relay nodes. We need to be careful we don't trip the thing when removing it as, as anti-tamper, which will trigger it if we're not careful, Fuller said loud enough that the team of Minutemen engineers all overheard him. Gregory nodded and the pair cautiously removed the outer overlapping pauldron system and the chest armour to expose the inner workings and mounting frame from where all the electronics and servos were housed just above the pilot compartment. Before Fuller could point it out, Gregory showed off his extensive knowledge of these suits, which he'd obviously gotten from working on seven suits so frequently, as he pointed to a small device about the size of a cigarette packet that was clipped to the inside of the chest mounting frame. "'I get the feeling that's our little fucker right there. Am I right?' he said and Fuller nodded. "'Spot on. That's our boy. Now it hooks the two antennae relays that run through the entire frame, which turn the entire suit into one big broadcast and receiver unit.' But what we have to watch out for are three trip switches around the mounting pins. Normally they're deactivated dis- with a special tool kept in the ESF workshop, which we call the Toy Box. But here we're going to have to figure something out ourselves, Fuller said thoughtfully. As he and Gregory analysed the problem, the curiosity of the Minutemen engineers got the better of them. And all of them suddenly lost interest in Venn and slowly, slowly began to creep away towards the pair until they were crowded all around them in a big circle and were all chipping in their ideas, which made Fuller smile. It seemed that engineers were the same the world over. Give them a problem to solve, and they're happier than a rad pig in glowing shit. About 20 minutes of brainstorming later, and with the Minutemen's help, Fuller and Gregory had managed to jerry-rig some crocodile clips with some wire and screws to jam the trigger clasps open, and to prevent them from triggering when the unit was removed. This, in turn, actually allowed them to safely remove the device from the frame. And then they presented it to Maurice, who had now joined the curious throng of his engineers. This is what we need. And to be fair, we only need the one. So if you guys want the others, then have at it. Especially as I'm pretty sure you guys now know how to remove them. Though, just be warned, if you accidentally set one off, it'll ping the nearest relay tower and send its current coordinates through to the Enclave HQ. Which means if you don't bug out pronto, You'll most likely have a team of saw dropping in on your heads, Fuller said. Can the units be destroyed safely after removal? Maurice asked and Fuller nodded. Oh yes, very easily. You could pop the case off and cut the power wires or simply smash it with a hammer. Or just shoot the fucking thing. It all works the same really, just make sure you safely remove it first, he said. Maurice instructed his men to remove the others and destroy all but one of them which set the engineers to work as they quickly copied the design that they'd helped F- Fuller and Gregory come up with to start removing the other ones. Well, I do believe us thanks for showing us those little booby traps, it's only right you get to keep that one as thanks and payment. Now, you also said something about a potential alliance in the works. Maurice said and Fuller nodded. Indeed. Why don't we go over to your office or somewhere a bit quieter and I'll outline the proposal to you. Fuller said, and Maurice nodded, gesturing to a set of executive officers upstairs. And with that, the team all began to pile up towards them. It was time for Fuller to strap on his diplomatic cap. He just hoped he'd be as good as either Seven or Raymond and been at this. Ah, so that was chapter 127, ladies and gentlemen. But will Fuller and the Minutemen manage to reach an understanding? Or will something throw a spanner in the works? Gonna have to answer that question next time. Until next time, this is Ghost Nobody signing off and saying, I'll see you all next time.